0: Good morning, good morning everyone, great to see you. As I uh, said, my name's Rob, I'm one of the elders here at the church, um, so I'd like to welcome you all as well today. Great, um, so if you're new to us today or visiting, we're we in a uh, new series at the moment called Prepare the Way of the Lord, there it is. Um, we wanna build up biblical truth, and we want to remove the obstacles that get in the way of those truths, such as lies that the world would have us believe. Today we're looking at the theme of greed versus generosity. What God says with, uh, that we should do with what we have, and exploring how it's better to give than to receive. Um, and at this point, I think we, just, just on behalf of the elders, I'd love to say a huge thank you to all the ways that you give. Um, there's so many generous people here in this church. Uh, for the gift day today and last week, thank you so much. And for the regular giving, thank you. So I'd like to start today just with a, a short story um, about a businessman and a fisherman. You might have heard it before. Um, I believe it originates uh, somewhere in South America. So the story is about a businessman who's on holiday and one day he's walking down a tropical beach and comes across a fisherman sitting on the beach doing nothing. So he goes to the fisherman and says, what are you doing? Why aren't you out catching fish? And the fisherman says, well, I've caught enough fish for my family today. Now I'm just gonna relax on the beach and enjoy the view. And the businessman says, well, you should be out fishing all day and catch as much fish as you can. Think of the money you could make. And the fisherman says, well, what would be my reward? And the businessman says, well, with all that money, you could buy bigger nets. Then you could catch even more fish, make even more money. And the fisherman says, what's my reward then? And the fisherman starts to get frustrated. Well, you could then catch even more fish, buy bigger boats, catch more fish again, make even more money. Don't you see? And the fisherman's still just relaxing on the beach. Well, what's my reward then? The businessman says, well then, you could use that money to buy more boats, get more people to fish for you, think of the money you could make. And the fisherman says, well, okay, but what's my reward? And the, fisherman, the businessman now, frustrated, says, don't you see, you'd be so rich, you could just lie on the beach and enjoy the view. <laughs> <laughs> so, how often have we been caught in that same mindset as the businessman? The idea of life is to get more and more, to get as much as you can, and perhaps if we work hard enough and if we get enough, maybe then we'll be happy. Maybe one day we'll find peace with all the stuff we have. But how much is enough? Is life really about what we have and what we get? The Bible teaches that we should be content with what we have, but the Bible goes further to say that actually we should be generous that's irrespective of how much we have, whether we have lots or whether we have little, we should be generous with what we have. (laughs) See, greed is not about having more, it's about wanting more. It's about the state of our hearts. We crave more than we need, probably because we've fallen for the lies of culture and the world that says actually having stuff is the source of our happiness. We're bombarded by our adverts, aren't we? Telling us what we should have in our life, and if we buy those things, then we'll be happy. Our culture celebrates material success, doesn't it? How much do you earn? How big's your house? What car do you drive? How early can you retire and live comfortably? We live in an individualistic mindset, don't we? Our culture tells us to think about ourselves, put ourselves first. You see this in small children, don't you? That's why we need to teach children to share. After all, you know, why should I share? It's mine. If I give it to you, then I have less. But that's what giving is, isn't it? It's sharing what we have, meaning that we do now have less. Now, giving doesn't mean getting something back, or getting it back, that's lending. You know, you can have this from me, but it's okay, it's still mine, actually, and I'm gonna get it back. That's not giving. Giving's not giving with something in return, that's a transaction. You can have this, but what's it worth? What do I get out of it? Think about Dragon's Den, programs like that. They don't give out of the generosity of their own hearts, do they? It's a calculated investment. They are willing to invest a lot of money because they're convinced they'll make even more back for themselves. That's not giving. Giving generously, therefore, is giving of yourself to benefit someone else and expecting nothing in return. And giving and being generous is not just about money. The principle of giving, as we've heard earlier, is about... It can apply to many things. Our time, we can give our energy, we can give our help and support, we can give encouragement, we can give our expertise, and yes, we can give possessions and money too. If it's something you have, then it's something you can be generous with or choose to keep to yourself. I'm sure we've all heard that saying, it's better to give than receive. I don't know about you, but I usually think about this most at Christmas time. Just maybe to prepare my heart as you give a gift and you think, just in case what I get is not as good as what I gave. <laughs> it's better to give than receive, isn't it? <laughs> maybe it's just me. Okay. Um, I suspect most of us will probably agree with this principle, it's better to give than receive. But where does this phrase come from and do we really live by it? Okay, that phrase actually comes from the Bible and we can find it in Acts 20. So if you have a Bible with you, it'd be great if you could turn to Acts 20. It'll be up on the screen behind me as well. So the phrase comes from the Bible, and it's actually something that Jesus taught, although the wording is slightly different, as we'll see in a moment. Paul quotes it in the books of Acts, in Acts 20, and it's when he's uh, speaking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And I want to read the whole uh, passage, this whole section here, because I think it's important we don't just see this phrase out of context and see what Paul was saying. So I'm going to start at uh, verse 18, chapter 20. and now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me here. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his blood. I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples from them. Therefore be alert remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who have been sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So this is a speech that Paul gave to the Ephesian leaders. He highlights his own ministry as an example to follow, warns them of heresies, and concludes with his guidance for a correct attitude towards our money and our possessions. I don't know if you saw, but throughout this whole passage, uh, Paul gives himself, you see how Paul gives himself to others and puts others before himself. He's given his life in service to God, teaching about Christ. He puts this before the trials, imprisonments, and afflictions that he will face. He says he doesn't consider his own life as precious to himself, but desires to give that away, to give away what he received from the Lord, the gospel. Paul goes on to remind them that he didn't cover anything of theirs, but provided for himself and for others through hard work. And then he concludes with the command that we must help others through giving. Paul says we must remember Jesus' words, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. So this is a direct quote from Jesus, but it's quite interesting. It's easy to miss because it's nowhere else in the Bible. It's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Most commentators would agree that actually it would have been passed down and shared amongst the disciples. So clearly it was worth remembering. So what does Jesus mean? Most Bible translations have blessed or blessed. Uh, Some translations, such as the good news, say there is more more happiness in giving than receiving. That's because the original Greek word for blessed translates as happy. So Jesus is saying that you'll be happier if you give. There is joy to be found in giving. It's the same word that he uses with the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And it's a similar idea where you find in Psalm 1, the opening words of the Psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. One interpretation I came across would say that when we think of a person who's blessed in this way, you could describe them as someone who's experiencing the good life. That's what it means to be blessed. I don't know about you, but I find it quite surprising that the emphasis of Jesus' words is on the giver. You'd expect it the other way around. You're more blessed when you give, when you receive, when you get something. The world says, I'll be happier when I get something, but Jesus is completely the opposite way. He says, I'll be happier and more blessed when I give. In her book, uh, Confronting confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin, which I highly recommend, she says that Jesus' teaching cuts against the grain of an individualistic, success-focused mindset. In other words, Jesus' words are counter-cultural. I would highly recommend reading this book. It's very good. She, comes, she goes, again, looks at 12 hard questions that people give about Christianity, and she comes back at them with research and history as well as Bible principles. And there's a bit there on giving. And she, she says that according to research, giving is good for us. So according to scientific research and social research, it says that volunteering has a positive impact on our mental and physical health. Actively caring for someone else yields greater physical and psychological benefits than being cared for. According to research, helping others in the workplace can improve your work satisfaction. And financial generosity has psychological payoffs. So even according to research, there's blessing in giving. So why is it more blessed to give than receive? How is this possible? I'd like today to look at how giving aligns our hearts with God's heart how giving demonstrates the gospel, and how giving advances the kingdom. So giving aligns our hearts with God's hearts. We serve a generous God who loves to give. We've heard that already this morning. In James 1, uh, Paul writes, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We can find joy in giving when we stop and remind ourselves that actually everything we have is from God in the first place. Remembering this should humble us. To Timothy, Paul wrote, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, but to set, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. It's a direct challenge to those who put their hope in what they have. To instead put the hope in god you can't do both either you're going to rely on your stuff your money your possessions or you're going to rely on god paul says that our riches are uncertain and i'm sure we can all relate to that more than ever in this cost of living crisis who would have predicted the way the prices have gone up and we still don't know how it's going to end up that's because these things are uncertain but god is not uncertain As it says in James 1, there's no variation or shadow to change in God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can be relied on. And both these verses remind us that God gave to us first. Everything we have is from him. He gives us life. He sustains us by giving us every breath. He gives us his presence. He gives us his love. He gives us our talents, our abilities. He provides our daily needs and so much more. That's why Paul charges them not to be haughty about their own riches. In other words, don't be arrogant. The idea of, look at me, look how much I've earned, look what I've made for myself. Yet yeah, a thankful heart acknowledges God's generosity to us first. And a thankful heart and a humble heart will lead to becoming a generous heart. George and I often pray and ask God to help us to hold things loosely We ask God to help us to be open-handed in our things, our money, our home, our jobs, everything. What we mean is when we ask God to help us is that we ask God to help us to not be so caught up in holding tightly to what we have that actually it's going to hurt when it's gone. You can become fearful when you're holding something tightly. Imagine something precious in your hand right now that you didn't want to lose. It takes a lot of energy to hold tight onto that so that it never goes. Imagine someone trying to prize it out of your fingers. It's going to hurt. And if it's gone, it's going to hurt again. And I, I, Trust me, in my experience, there's so much peace knowing that actually you can hold things loosely because you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. You never know when that thing might be needed by someone else. You never know when your job situation may change. Maybe it's time to move house. Perhaps your health might deteriorate. Perhaps finances are tough and you might need to sell something that you just want to hold on to. As these things... As this verse says, things are uncertain. So I can encourage you to hold things loosely. Our God, though, is not tight-fisted when it comes to giving. He loves to give. Consider Jesus' words in Matthew 7. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For For whoever asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if you ask for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Amen. God is unlimited in his resources and unlimited in his love towards us, which means he wants to give to us and will give generously to us, everything we need. That's the heart of our Father towards us. God shows us everything that it is more blessed to give than to receive. We get to reflect this generosity when we give, whether it's given our time, our help, our money, our possessions. When we give, we imitate our Heavenly Father as our hearts align to His. Si so spoke on love last week and reminded us that verse in 1 John 4 that we love because God first loved us. Generosity is an act of love. God, out of his love, has given us so much. Our response, therefore, should be to give generously back, both to God and to others, so that we can say, we give because God first gave to us. Tithing is an example of this. In the Old Testament, God called the people to give them 10% of what they had because it was his first. Verses such as Proverbs 3.9 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Now, there's nothing in the New Testament that says Christians have to give 10%, but many Christians do. However, for some, it might be an, uh, an amount to aim for, to aim to give more and more so that hopefully they can reach 10%. For others, 10% is a baseline, and actually they want to be even more generous. What the Bible is clear about is that we should give. In Genesis 28 Jacob uh, encountered God in the dream, you know, the one where he saw a ladder coming down from heaven or going up to heaven. Uh, when he woke up from this encounter, he declared, of all you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. And this should be our hearts when we give. God, of all that you've given me, I will give back to you. But it's important to remember that, it's, that God is not measuring our giving, the size of our gift, as the world does. It's not about the amount compared to anybody else. God's looking for your heart behind the gift. Consider the story of the, uh, the widow's offering. It's in Mark 12. I'll read it to you. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to him, Truly I say to you, the poor widow has put in more than all those who were contributing to the offering box, for they contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. What she gave cost her everything. She had nothing left for herself. I don't know about you, I find that really, really challenging. In the world's eyes, this is foolish. If she barely had anything else left, why would she give that last bit away? Let's be honest, what difference would it make anyway? It was less than a penny. The difference is the state of her heart behind the gift. She knew she was giving to God, and she clearly put him before herself. That's the only answer for her actions. She must have known the truth, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I would say here as well, if you don't feel like you can give much, know that God wants your heart first. Nothing is too small when it comes from a generous heart. As an opposite example to the widow, we can look at the rich young man who came to Jesus in Matthew 19. (laughs) I'll I'll just paraphrase what happens. But he comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, keep the commandments. And the young man replies, I've done that. I've kept them all. What else can I do? And Jesus said, if you would be perfect, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And the young man heard this. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Why do you go away sad? Because of his possessions. Let's be clear, it's not that because he was rich, but it's because he couldn't give it up. On the face of it, he seems like a good man. He's a very religious man. He says he kept all the commandments, he followed the Jewish law, and he probably gave as part of those religious observance. But Jesus gets straight to the heart of the problem. The young man says, how can I have eternal life? And following Jesus is the answer, but Jesus knows that wealth has got a hold of him. This encounter shows that wealth and material belongings can hinder our submission to God's call on our lives and to be generous. And in this case, it hindered the man's very salvation. Jesus is offering him eternal treasures, but his heart is ruled by earthly treasures. So how's your heart when it comes to giving? Which are you more like, the widow or the rich young man? just want to challenge you just to be honest about it with yourself. Let's allow God to align our hearts to his, remembering how generous he is first to us. Okay, so giving also, I think, demonstrates the gospel. When we consider the generosity of God, nothing compares to the greatest gift that he's given us, and that's salvation through Christ. In Ephesians 2, a well-known verse says, For by grace you have been saved by faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. So the gospel is all about giving. Salvation's a gift. It's grace. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't take it from God. And that's the point. God always takes initiative. God has removed any possible way for us to gain our right standing with him by our own efforts. And that forces us to humbly admit that actually we need saving. Jesus said... It's more blessed to give than receive. And we see it right here in salvation. Who gets the glory? God does, because he has given us his son. Probably the most famous of all Bible verses, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is a gift to us. And all through his life he continued to give of himself too. We see how Jesus gave his life to serve others. His example and challenge to his disciples was to put others first, to serve them. He said of himself, he came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. And I thought it was great to see such an emphasis on that yesterday in the king's coronation, wasn't it? Jesus' life was characterized by an attitude of serving others, meeting their needs, putting them first. He showed compassion and care to everyone he met. He didn't give money or possessions, but he gave himself. He showed the Father, and he brought the kingdom of God. We see Jesus' generosity when he gave his life at the cross. Even at the very end, we see him continuing to give himself. It says in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. So Jesus willingly gave his life for those he loves. That's you, and that's me. Jesus' life was not taken, it was given. Consider Hebrews 12. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus knew the joy ahead of him before he went to the cross. He knew that was the way to make us right with God through faith. So at the cross, Jesus knew it was more blessed to give than to receive. He knew happiness and joy in that moment. Even through the excruciating pain, he saw the joy ahead at the cross. When we consider the riches that the world has to offer, nothing compares to the riches we have been given through Christ. It's not about money or belongings or houses or cars, but about forgiveness and acceptance by the King of the universe. Our earthly riches are temporary, but our treasures in heaven are eternal. Amen? The one who created all things lowered himself for our sake. He became poor that we become rich in him. When we give, we get to demonstrate this gospel in action. We become poorer, that others may become richer. We get to serve others by putting them first like Jesus did. Out of our riches, we get to share Christ with others. And lastly, I'd like to look at how giving advances God's kingdom. There's a story that Jesus told about greed. It was the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12. Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness this night, your soul is required of you. For the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The world would have us believe it's more blessed to have. We should get all we can for ourselves. This is the answer to finding happiness, the world would tell us that life does consist of the abundance of possessions. Jesus says this is foolish. Jesus says the fool stores it up for himself for a comfortable future but we don't know what tomorrow brings, do we? The reality is we may not see tomorrow to be able to enjoy it. Just as it says in Job and Ecclesiastes, naked we came into the world, naked will depart. We brought nothing into this world and we can't take anything with us. So Jesus leaves us with this big question, what will happen to all your things? Who gets to benefit from them? And Jesus is clear here. We're invited to give generously, to be rich toward God and to share it with others, to experience the blessing of giving that others would benefit from it. As it says in Hebrews 13, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is, what the ki- this is how the kingdom advances. God's people following his example of love to others, to giving to others and bringing glory to God. The early church modeled this. Paul wrote to many churches encouraging them to give generously, to support other churches and to raise money for the poor. And they willingly responded. They were motivated by a desire to serve God by blessing others. They refused to keep it to themselves when they could see other people's needs. And I'll be completely honest here. I have a long way to go on this. I know I could be more generous at times. And I easily fall into that trap of thinking... This is mine. I want to keep it. But God's really challenging me on this. George and I have been blessed so many times by other people's generosity, both practically through help, but also financially too. And it motivates you to want to pass that on so others can experience that joy. If you don't feel joy in giving, can I ask you and challenge you to ask God? Ask God to help soften your heart and increase your compassion for other people. Don't give out of compulsion, never give out of guilt, but fix your eyes on him first and his generosity. As we've seen today, God blesses us abundantly. He's so generous towards us, but that's not the end of the story. He doesn't give to us just for us. He gives to us so we can pass it on. Let's allow the love of God to lead us in living generous lives. If we know the truth of the gospel, that Jesus gave everything to us How can we not share what we have when we see others in need? Paul teaches in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but to the interests of others. We see this example in Christ, and as his disciples, we are called to do the same. And we have a part to play here at Christchurch we have the privilege of giving towards God's kingdom through the church here to help others. As Andy Johnston uh, reminded us a couple of weeks ago, it was because of radical sacrificial giving that we have this building. And we're now able to provide uh, so many ministries that help and support other people and share the good news of Jesus. And let's be honest, it's gonna take generosity to continue to grow and expand the God's work here in Hailsham and beyond. Some examples up here. I just think it's amazing the way that we're able to provide uh, help and service to, in so many different ways here in this town and better to use this building to, to invite people in to be able to experience community as well as help and support. Forgive me if I've missed anything else. I think it's really exciting that God is using this building, using us. But as I said, it's going to take a continual act of generosity to continue these words and to works and to expand it even more. Can I invite the band back up, please? Thank you. So as I close, the world says, get as much as you can. God says, give as much as you can. No one's ever going to be able to give themselves to serve others as radically as Jesus. None of us are ever going to be as generous as God is, but yet when we give, we get to reflect our Heavenly Father and we bring glory to Him as we do. When our hearts are full of gratitude for all that God's given us and when we see the impact that our generosity can have on the lives of others, then we can say with Jesus that it is more blessed to give than receive. Amen? Amen. I'd love to pray. I'd like to stand before we finish with worship time. Father God, you are so generous. We thank you for everything you have given us, everything we don't deserve, but you give because you love. Thank you that you sent us the greatest gift of your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave yourself for us. Thank you that you gave us a way back to the relationship with the Father. Thank you that you promise to... Provide everything we need and so much more. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have of giving to your work, to giving to your kingdom come here. Lord God, I just pray you'd work on our hearts, soften our hearts. Those things that we are holding too tight, Lord, help us to hold loosely. Help us to see eternal treasures over earthly treasures. Father God, I want to pray, Lord, that you would take all that we give and multiply it. Father God, I pray that you would just challenge us all, me included, to see a need and to meet it, to give more generously than we have ever before. Help us to give of our time. Help us to give of ourselves, of our energy, our expertise. Help us to give of our possessions and of our money. Lord God, forgive us when we hold it too tightly and say, this is ours. Father God, it's yours. We thank you for what you've given us, and we want to give back to you. Have your way in us. Have your way in this church and this community. Have your way across the world, Lord. We just ask that you would continue to give generously as you promised to. Help us, Lord. Amen.